Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. And then as soon as we wanted to watch it on that Forgotten Cinema, it goes to A&E, and I gotta pay to rent it. She obliterates his area. He's back up fighting like there's no pain going through there. Lady, you're about five punches to the ball. That too late. guy there's nothing down yeah. there but dust. That guy needs to be on the floor writhing in pain. Oh man, he reads a lot. He's such a weird <laughs> man. He's so great. He's so much better than everybody. He is, right? Look oh at that review. Oh my god. Hello, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or a movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 175 episodes for your listening pleasure. Oh, yeah. I got a question for you, Field. Yes. Uh, how do you see yourself? Like on a scale of one to 10. How I rate myself? How do you, how do you rate yourself? I'm a, I'm a 10. Yeah, you're a two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty crappy uh, part of the movie. What are we, what are we doing today? <laughs> we are doing 2013's The Way, Way Back. Duncan is an awkward teen who must spend the summer at a beach house with his mother, her boyfriend, Trent, and Trent's obnoxious daughter. Trent can't resist badgering Duncan. So the youth steals away to a water park and gets a job that will help him stay off Trent's radar. As Duncan tends to the slides and pools of the aging water park, he finds a father figure in wisecracking park manager Owen at a time when he desperately needs one. This is the way, way back. Not to be confused with the way back, which... Uh, well, there's, there's two like, way backs. Yeah, exactly. There's multiple two way, uh, way uh, backs. Peter Weir, way, the way back from 2010, and then the way back, obviously, with Ben Affleck. That just came out. Oh, uh, yeah, a couple of years ago. And I don't... ten ones why they had to call this the way, way back, apparently. Well, I had yeah, to avoid confusion. I don't know if I agree with that uh, synopsis saying that Sam Rockwell's character is a father figure. I thought of him just as a friend, as someone who would help him. Yeah, get, I didn't really see you know father what I mean? figure. Yeah, I don't, I don't... He was still kind of holding on to his father in the, the West Coast. Yeah, I think he was just somebody that... He wasn't looking for a father. Right. All right, The Way Way Back is a runtime of 103 minutes. Treated PG-13, production budget of $5 million. Uh, it has two release dates. We're, uh, we're going to do the wide release date, which was July 26, 2013. Its limited release date was actually July 5th, but that was only in 19 theaters. And then it kind of grew over time. And I believe it went from 300 to 800, the, the wide, the July 26th. And then after that, I think I got another 200 theaters after that. So it did reach a thousand theaters, but we're going to go with the wide and not the limited release. And as I said, in the wide, that, that opening weekend of that wide release, it made $3.4 million domestic. It made 21.5 international 4.9 million for a worldwide total of $26.4 million, which considering it's $5 million production budget, that's pretty good. Not bad at all. Exactly. Because it's, it's got Steve Curl's name on it. Uh, maybe. That certainly wouldn't have hurt. Maybe. Production company was Sycamore Pictures, uh, the Walsh Company, and Odd Lot Entertainment. It was distributed by Fox Searchlight Pictures. I said it came out on the 26th of July. That went up against in a wide release, The Wolverine. Did you like The Wolverine? That's the one where he's in Japan, right? Beautiful yes, Japan. it is the one where he's in Japan. I did until the very end when he fights the robot. I was like, this was a really good samurai movie. <laughs> and now we're fighting a CG robot. It really... 
almost ruined the movie for me. Almost, but not quite. Not quite. <laughs> but because it's only the last 10 minutes, but man, does it fall completely apart in the last mm-hmm. 10 minutes. You also had a wide release of Fruitvale Station, which was Michael B. Jordan's uh, uh, movie that kind of put him on the map and Ryan Coogler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a limited release that you had to, the to do list and Blue Jasmine. Uh, Blue Jasmine, I think, was the movie I was thinking about the last episode that just came out. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yep. As uh, I was editing, I was like, Blue Jasmine, that's the name of that thing. <laughs> and that was, I was trying to think of the movie that Kate Blanchett was nominated for an Academy Award that Woody Allen had written and directed, and that was Blue Jasmine. But I can't even, I'm just blanking on the movie that we were, I was thinking it was. Something in the 90s. I can't yeah, remember yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the 31st, which was the Wednesday, you had a wide release of The Smurfs 2, which kind of happens also in the, uh, in the summer season, trying to squeeze all the movies in there. August 2nd, which is a week away from this release date, uh, you had a wide release of Two Guns and a limited release of The Spectacular Now and Europa Report. Uh, what was The Spectacular Now? I'm confusing it because I don't think it's the one with What's-His-Face, who is uh, Miles Teller. It is the one with it, uh, Miles Teller. Yeah, is, isn't he? Woodley. Yeah, like she's bullied or he's a bully or he was a bully. I don't know. Something a like hard parting high school seniors philosophy and life changes. There you go. When he meets the not so typical nice guy. Yeah. It, it, it was Sounds an indie. Terrible. It was an indie that made them, you know, Famous. put them on their well, made them, put them on their way gotcha. to where they were going. So um it's 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 okay. I don't think it was I don't remember thinking it was spectacular. Pardon me, <laughs> pardon the pun. But I I enjoyed it. The week before, uh, the 19th of July, you had a wide release of Red 2, which was not, I was not a fan. Uh, R.I.P.D., which I definitely was not a fan of. <laughs> and, I never saw it, uh, just because everyone says how bad it is. It's really bad. And The Conjuring, which was pretty good. It's almost like, a, I always say The, mo- mo- the Conjuring is a modern day poltergeist. Poltergeist, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Conjuring's not bad. Mm-hmm. You also had a limited release that week of Girl Most Likely and Only God Forgives, which I enjoy as well. I believe that's the uh, Ryan Gosling film. Yep, 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 yep. Yep. So this movie was written and directed by Nat Faxon and Jim Rash. Uh, they have both. So they have both written. They actually are both Academy Award winners for writing The Descendants. They won the uh, Best Writing Award there. Jim Rash is probably familiar because you've seen him in Community. Uh, the Dean. Uh, the Dean, yes. He's also done a lot of directing of those, a lot of those episodes. They also uh, wrote and directed Downhill, which came out during the pandemic. So I would assume a lot of people miss that. Yeah, That's I what that was with uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus and Will Ferrell, I think, and he just like wants to bring he. They, I'm sorry. There's like an avalanche, and as the and their video recording, and as the avalanche comes out because they're at a ski vacation, he doesn't help his kid. He doesn't help in his film. He gets out of the way, and that's like a big thing. Like, oh, you yeah. know, on Instagram, I just saw a video of that, and I yeah. didn't know. I was like, that's got to be from a movie, but I have yeah. no idea what that, that is. Yeah, that so that kind of came out during the whole pandemic stuff. So I think that's why I got lost. And I've, but I've always wanted to go back to it. So maybe I will now that I, I kind of got reminded of it. Uh, Faxon's also he's on the TV show, the new show Loot that uh, Maya Rudolph is in, who's in this movie as well. Uh, but that's pretty much, you know, they did. That's pretty much it right now. In terms, of, they've got a lot of stuff that's in the pipeline. I think a lot of stuff that's right. coming. So I'm sure. I'm um, ho- hopefully we'll see more of them uh, because I do like the movies that I've just mentioned here, uh, including this one. Spoiler alert! Uh, cinematographer was John Bailey, who has done American Gigolo, The Big Chill, which we did, Butler, and Nobody's Fool. Right. Composer was Rob uh, Simonson, who has done 500 Days of Summer, Tully, and The Way Back with Ben Affleck. <laughs> I'm sure there was a lot of jokes on set there. Edited by Tatiana Rigel, who was nominated for an Oscar for I, Tanya. She also did Cruella and Lars and The Real Girl. And then produced by Tom Rice and Kevin J. Walsh. Rice has done the movie Greyhound. That's the one with um, 
Tom Hanks and Begin Again, which is we did on the show uh, on the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Walsh has uh, produced, amongst other movies, Death on a Nile and Manchester by the Sea, which is a great film, but it's really tough to watch. <laughs> like, what are you re- talking about? It's really up on repeat. On repeat. What are you yeah, talking about? Exactly. Uh, so you had Steve Carell as uh, as Butler said, who plays Trent. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for Foxcatcher. We also did an episode of a movie he was in called Crazy Stupid Love. If you've heard of it, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you've heard of this TV show called The Office. He's also known for that. Uh, that was Ricky Gervais. <laughs> well, that You're confusing. It, I do like the uh, British Office uh, quite quite well. Uh, Tony Collette as Pam. She was uh, she plays the mother of the uh, son that Butler explained in his in his synopsis. It was awkward, I guess. She was nominated for an Oscar for her role in The Sixth Sense. She's also in Hereditary, About a Boy. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, but she was her one of her first big films was Muriel's Wedding, which mm-hmm. was an Australian film. So I, I recommend you check that out because it's very good. Alice Janey as Betty. She has won an Oscar for I, Tanya. She's also in Juno, the TV show Mom, and of course, the TV show The West Wing. Rob Corddry as Kip, who's from the TV show Ballers, along as, in terms of, oh, excuse me, also the movie Hot Tub Time Machine and Office Christmas Party. Amanda Pete as Joan. I don't understand. Is Joan and Kip, are they a couple? I imagine they're married, yes. Okay. I They didn't really say it a they're lot. They're just kind of a party couple. Yeah, maybe. And then you also get Kip like, you know. We'll, we'll, like, we can yeah. get to that. We can get to that. Uh, she's from the TV show Brockmire. She's also in the X-Files, I Want to Believe, which by the time you see mm-hmm. here this episode, you probably already have heard our pint episode, hopefully, where we talk about the X-Files, I Want to Believe, with John Amento. <laughs> if you haven't, go now or after you listen to this. And she's also in the whole nine yards and the whole ten yards, if that if that matters for people. Anna Sophia Robb as Susanna. She is the daughter of Betty, Janie's character. She's in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Soul Surfer, and Lansky. Liam James as Duncan, who is the awkward teen. Uh, he's in the TV show Psych. He plays young Sean. Uh, he's also in the TV show The Killing and the movie 2012. Uh, Zoe Levine as Steph, which is the is Trent's daughter, I believe. She's the TV show Bonding and the upcoming TV show The White House Plumbers, which I think is about Watergate, but I don't know. Uh, okay. I believe that's about Watergate. Sam Rockwell as Owen, who was uh, won an Oscar for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. He's also nominated for an Oscar for the movie Vice. And more recently, he was in Richard Jewell. Maya Rudolph, as I said before, plays Caitlin. Uh, she is in Bridesmaids, Big Hero 6, and TV show Loot. That's new now. And then Faxon and Rash are in here. Uh, Faxon plays Roddy, who's one of the workers at the park, what the Water Whiz. And Jim Rash plays Lewis, who's also one of the workers at the park. Yep. Um, you know, but we already talked about them, so I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> now, when I was watching this, Butler, I didn't know. what I couldn't remember what your relationship to this film was. I don't know if we watched it together in the theater. We did not. Okay, so had you seen it before this I had Ewing? not seen it before. Oh, interesting. I was confusing this with, I think, like two other movies. What movies? Um, parts of it, like parts of like the movie What before I watched it, when I just kind of saw the uh, poster, I was like, what, is this movie like a certain scenes from like the trailer for Adventureland was in my brain. True. And there's another movie that had Robert Denny Jr. And it. it was similar in tone. Where he's um, he's older. He's like. The mentor kind of person to some kid. Spider-Man. I didn't know what this <laughs> was it the Spider-Man films. <laughs> so I, I didn't know what this film was exactly. And then as it started playing, I was like, okay, I think I remember the trailer for this okay. movie. Okay. Um, so I really had no idea what to expect from it. Well, first thoughts. Go ahead. Oh man. Okay, this you want is, me to go? You want me the, to go first? This is the first movie where Steve Carell is just an absolute oh, he, dick. He is a dick. Just a lot like, of my notes are like, I really don't like Trent. Yeah, he's just a bad guy. He and is. That's cool. I mean, he was also a bad guy in um, what's the wrestling movie? Foxcatcher. Fox but Foxcatcher, Fox he, he was, was playing a real character. He was. And he was almost like 
that guy. This is like, yeah, if Steve Carell's, you know, normal character is like he plays pretty much the same guy on most of his stuff. If he just kind of went full dick. Yeah. And that's exactly what he's playing here. Man, do I hate him. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's not. He's not a good. I hate him. Well, to your point about uh, Carell and Foxcatcher, I always thought Foxcatcher, he was. It always felt like he was doing a voice. Like it, it, oh, he's definitely he is, doing a voice, and it was. Yeah. It, it felt like mm, like I didn't. I listen. I'll never take anything away from somebody getting nominated. That's fantastic. I just was when he got nominated. I was like, man, whatever. I, I just wasn't a huge fan of that of him in that movie. There were other things in Foxcatcher I liked better. Right. Probably. Maybe that's better. He was definitely playing a character in Foxcatcher. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas this, he's kind of playing a person. Like a he's playing player. himself, yeah. but as a jerk. Which honestly. The fact that you know him from the office and the fact that you know him from things where he's likable and you, he's always the good guy. The fact that he can do that in this movie and complete you t- completely turn you against him is really right. good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, but but also I hated it. I hated him. I hated the fact that while we talk about Trent, I couldn't understand how Pam could not see how much of a dick he was, how controlling he was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, like the whole movie, it's like, she's doing the dishes. She's getting stuff. He never gets anything out of the car. He never helps with the dishes. He never helps cook the food. He tells her son what to do constantly. Yep. And I, I understand they, they touch upon it briefly when they fight at the end, towards the, the, the end when, uh, Duncan and Pam, his mother fight with each other and she doesn't say it, but you get the idea where, She's an older woman. She found somebody that likes her oh, and actually, she doesn't want to give that up. She needs it. Yeah. Right. But they don't really dive into that too much. And I I, I understand because I knew that's where it was going and I right. understand that. But because I didn't get that to the end of the movie, it just made me like frustrated with her to not see what an ass that Trent was being to her own son. Like, hey, we pick up the dishes in, the, in, our, in our house, buddy. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to help out. You're going to carry that. The, the, the cooler ain't going to carry itself. You know, like that buddy to every, every sentence. Yeah. Oh, it just, it, it, that bugged me that she couldn't see that. Yeah. I mean that she couldn't see that he was a dick to him. Like, especially when he had to wear the life vest and nobody else could. Yeah. I didn't get that. I didn't understand why she didn't just step in and go, no, he doesn't. That's need clearly to. him picking on him. Like, yeah, stuff, it's like, all right. But like, that was like, you're clearly picking on this kid. Yeah. Even if you're desperate for attachment, like you're really like, you're just pushing it, man. Yeah. And the movie starts off with how you joked about starting off the podcast. Uh, where he basically uh, there everyone sleeping in the car except Trent and Duncan because and the whole point of the movie the way, way back is Duncan sitting in the way back of the of, of the, the station, of the station wagon, wagon yeah. where there was a seat back there and uh, and he's like you know he tells he asks Duncan how do you rate yourself and he tells him you know I think he's I think you're a th- you're a three you're a three and like it's really insulting yeah and immediately you're like oh screw you dude but I thought what I find not funny but upsetting is that this is based on Jim Rash's life. Yeah, like, his own stepfather. Like, right. This is the, just the opening scene. The opening scene is based. If this movie came about from that scene, right? That because he was fourteen and his stepfather had the same conversation with him, and it's just like, how do you? How can you say that to a kid? Like, how can you just do that? Oh, yep. so oh, I hate from the start. I was like, okay, dude, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and you never get this turn. I kept expecting a turn with Trent. I expected them to kind of come to a realization, to kind of come to terms with each other and both learn from their experience. And you never get that. Oh, no. just unrepentant the whole way through. You never get that. You never get. And and you do kind of get not violent, but he does like when he goes at when, when the whole towards the end of the movie, when Duncan basically 
out and out says he's cheating on you. Oh yeah, and Trent's about to punch a fourteen year old. Right, face. like come on. But you you never get that's as far as it gets, and you kind of see where it could go if unchecked. Right. But I I was appreciative of the fact that that wasn't part of the movie in terms of like he wasn't violent with Duncan right. because I think that's a different film. Absolutely. But, it, but I also think it it does go to how it, Trent's condescending nature towards Duncan, and I I think which is even which is harsher because it's like little. Little jabs, oh, little jabs, you yeah. know, like I'm better than you. Like you, like that's what he's saying in every comment. And it yep. just, it, it, I think that's a little bit, that hurts more, I think. Do sure, you know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Cause yeah. And it's a little more sneaky too. It's like little jabs instead of just a full yeah. punch. It was, it's just like, oh God, I really hate you. Yeah. Uh, I do like, however, like I like that. Like it looks like Pam and Trent are going to stay together just because, and you're just kind of like, Ugh. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end, when she goes in the back seat, you kind of realize once this ride's over, it's over with Trent. What a ride! Like, you, like what, what, it's, <laughs> at the end of the at the end of the movie, Butler's talk. They have this throughout the movie, and then at the end of the film, uh, she's sitting in the front, and everyone's quiet, no one's saying a thing, and she finally, you can see Pam like deciding in the seat, like, what am I going to do? And she decides, I'm just going to go sit back with my son. Right. And you get the idea that she's there, she's leaving him, but like they're still going to drive home. Yep. I, you know what I mean? And like, it's just, oof, yeah, what a ride. Awkward ride. I, exactly. I mean, like what happens if you have to stop for lunch or something? <laughs> <laughs> They're only going to New York, so you better drive fast. Yeah. And I think you do get the sense in this film, and they don't really focus on it too much because it's it's really through Duncan's eyes. But you kind of get the sense when they first get there and, and Pam's on vacation and you see how they start smoking pot and it's and the uh, Betty's daughter, who's kind of like, the quote unquote love interest friend of Duncan right. talks about how this place changes makes parents changes parents. It's spring break for spring parents. Breaks for parents. Yeah. They, they sneak off. She tells him, Hey, you know, when they're at the party, Hey, come on, I want you to sit down and eat with me. And then he turns around, he sees her run off. They run off to go smoke weed, I guess. Yep. So he just throws out his food. Like you just, you see her kind of being taken away from her son. Absolutely. You yeah. know what I mean? And like, and I didn't, and I mean, I don't know if you caught on to this, but how old is, Trent's daughter supposed to be. I got that she was like 16, 17. And she's just taking beers. Oh, yeah. Every time she care. goes to the beach and he doesn't care. So you get the sense of the kind of parent he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's because she's she's an eight, a nine, maybe. Like she she does it. She puts herself out there. <laughs> but Duncan, you're 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 a three. Yeah. <laughs> which which goes to one of my favorite lines in the film is at the end of the film when Rockwell comes in and he's just like, I'm a friend of the three. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like when Trent goes to kind of uh, maybe even grab Duncan. Yeah. And he just goes, moves even further. In mm -hmm. front of he's like, he steps in front of him yeah. and he's like, all right. Cause he, he knows. And you get that sense. There's a, there's a great camaraderie in the relationship between Owen, which is Rockwell's character and Duncan, because, and you get that at the end of the film, where he tells him like, I know, I know a lot what you're talking about. I know about yeah. control. My father was like that. And I, you, you, which is cool. I think that's a really cool. And especially where it felt like a lot of Owen's character and Caitlin's character, uh, Maya Rudolph's character, was improv during the movie. Oh, sure. The right. jokes and stuff for sure. But not even the jokes. Like they, they're in the script. So, so one of the notes I have here is that Maya Rudolph's character, Caitlin, was younger in the original script. Uh, and Rash and Faxon made her older. And they, and they didn't, they weren't supposed to be uh, not a pseudo couple. Right. But they told them while they were shooting, like, maybe Play do up, some yeah. of that. And so a lot of the stuff that they're doing on camera, it, I'm sure they're writing stuff as they go along as they're shooting the movie, but it's during the process of making the film. Sure, yeah. Which is great. I think that's fan. And the, the, the fact that they were able to find that on screen 
in the frame and it worked really well. And it, you know what I mean? I thought that really was a testament to the two actors there. Well, it also helps with Owen because you need to give Owen something because he can't remain a man child and give you this speech at the end. Mm-hmm. Well, not a speech, but the, the lines at the end and be this father figure without having something that's motivating him from turning from man child to adult or like man teenager, I guess. Like still a man child, but a little bit more responsible. <laughs> well, he's an adult. So he can yeah. Kind of be with Caitlin. Sure. It also adds leave. it also adds credence to the scene that you just talked about where he steps in front of Carell so he can't touch Duncan. Right. Because you're like, okay, like you, you kind of it's not like that's not it that it's good that that's not his moment to be a man. We've already or to grow up. We've already seen that maturity moment uh earlier, 45 right. minutes earlier. So this moment is just like he has that in him and he can. Yeah. And maybe he doesn't ever want to be that. You know, that's not the type of person he wants to be. But if he needs to for somebody else. Yeah. You know, push comes to show. Right. Right. Which which, like I said, I, I, I'm i a big fan of that line. <laughs> <laughs> Even that at the end of that movie, that small moment where they see the employee of the month pick and she's you. That's the only time you see him smiling that big of a smile. Yep is on that pick and you see it's like you can see Pam looking at her son that she's never seen him at all probably ever since the breakup I'm sure can't see him smiling right and then Trent shows up he's like what are we doing what are we doing yeah (laughs) why are we here what are you looking at I'm not even gonna look at the thing you're looking at yeah yeah stupid (laughs) (laughs) but uh, it's just Trent's such a douche (laughs) he um he shot this part in 10 days did you see that I saw that, yeah, because he was vacation. He's kind of vacationing, like he only took the role because where his family vacation. Right. If it wasn't, he wasn't going to accept the role. Yeah. Which I, I mean, all right, family man. <laughs> I get that. Doesn't help that I don't like you in here, Trent. <laughs> Still a dick. But he's There's, not in as as much as like he affects Duncan. He's not in all that many scenes. He's not. And a lot of his scenes are night shots at the same house or day shots at the same. True. House. So you could really wrap that up pretty quick. Yeah. Maybe that one scene at Waterways. And and the, yeah, the gas station that's across the way. Yeah. Waterways, gas station, car, house at day, house at night. And that car's that car's pretty old. I know he says it's a classic. I don't know why he covers right. it when it rains. That's so stupid. He's gotta keep it. He's gotta keep it nice and fresh. <laughs> that paint job, that off green, that PC paint job. I mean, it looks like the same car from uh uh vacation. It does, gets. yeah. yeah. <laughs> the good vacation, not the remix. <laughs> Did you see the note that um, instead of a trailer, they rented a house and cast and crew just stayed at the house and actors would go there to rest? I did see and, that. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that ended up becoming like a popular hangout spot where people just hung out there all the time, even on their days off. That's pretty cool. I like that note. I always like it when I hear about films that because there's always camaraderie on film sets. But when it and, and a lot of times it's fake, a lot of times right. it's not real. It's it's not, you know, not the right people are doing it. But this feel like I could you could get the sense that they all were just because it's a five million dollar picture and you've got. Oh, yeah. You've got a bunch of people in this film. So I, I thought that was that could command more money. I thought that was a pretty cool. note. hanging out, having fun. So it had to have been pretty close to everything had to have been pretty close together, though. Well, they shot in the same area as they shot uh, Grown Ups. In Massachusetts, because Grown Ups uses the waterways too in their oh, movie. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So that double. So if you've ever seen Grown Ups in there, when they're at the water park, that's the same water park. <laughs> same water park that has dye in the pool to make sure that. Uh, you can oh, they see all, the Listen, everybody does that. 
I always tell my kids that my pool has that. It doesn't. <laughs> I can see when you pee. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a really cool note. Well, there's definitely a difference between independent filmmaking or films with a lower budget and big time studio films. I mean, a lot of times they might be a job for people. That's just a job they're doing. But when you have an indie film or a smaller film um, and you go in with eyes wide open, understanding the type of movie you're going into, you know, it is it's a movie that, you know, it, there's a different set of personal expectations on on what you should expect. Sure. I mean, you can't be like, I can't, if I'm a big time movie star, if I'm Tom Cruise and I'm walking onto a set of this movie, the way, way back, knowing it's a $5 million production, I've obviously give, you're paying me scale or I'm, def, I'm, I'm doing this for a lot less money. I'm sure. not going to walk in demanding trailers. I'll probably end up paying for my own trailer. I'm sure. But if he, <laughs> under, but, but someone like Cruise, I think would get that understanding, the camaraderie nature of things. But like, sure. you know, I, th- I think, with the exception of we talked about this on the episode a while back when how they didn't put Matt Damon in boot camp for Saving Private Ryan. That's everyone knows that. And that made everyone hate him. Right. Because you had to, because that was the whole point of the movie. Sure. So stuff like that, I get. But no, I think it, there's just different expectations for, for independent and smaller films and studio films. It's, I also think that if you take like a, a person who's been a main character for so long and keep putting them in a trailer. Mm-hmm. They're going to become more and more and more disconnected every time they're well, in there. Well, that's up to the to person. The point where they never really want to be connected to the Maybe. cast. Maybe. I mean, that's celebrity, man. That's that's yeah, that's yeah. how they are. But that that's I think that's one of the things that helps make that happen. Well, you just when you when you look at act look at actors' uh, filmographies after they get big, right? Look at the movies they do, and you I think you can tell the the actors that are in it for the challenge and the work and the actors that are in it for the paycheck and, and to be famous. And quite honestly, I don't blame either one. It's just, sure, yeah. that's how it is. You know, you can tell the difference and, and honestly, that's fine. Cause we need big time celebrities because you know, that's well, cause that's just what the way it is. And we need people that are, they do. Some people do. Some people love a celebrity or love a movie star. It's, it's completely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So is there anything in this film, the way, way back that aside from Trent, which, when we say we don't like Trent, it's a good thing because he's oh yeah he's well performing to be well a, right a, a dick yeah. Is there something that didn't quite work for you in this film? Uh, the the fact that she's making cheese and watermelon. I don't understand. Was that cheese and watermelon it's, she was carrying? It was moots and watermelon. Uh, that's no. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Under, I don't understand that. No. I'm not the same thing. I go. It's blocks and moots. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. A lot of Betty's family was just maybe a little too much at some points. Not maybe Susanna. She had her kind of her, her stuff together. But Betty and Peter were maybe a little heightened, a little too much. Okay. Like Betty was just kind of ridiculous. And I know there are people like that. I've met people like that. We've all met people like Betty. But she maybe played it up just a notch above normal. And then Peter was just absolutely ridiculous. So sometimes funny. Like I, I do like the line. uh, what are you doing under there, Peter, when he's playing with the action figures? Uh, making Luke and Leia make out. You do realize they're brother and sister. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I like that, although he already told us in the beginning of the movie, all his action figures are still in their packaging. So that's true. They kind of messed up there. <laughs> but I thought that Peter was maybe a little cut from the cloth of someone who's in a different movie. Someone who's maybe in a movie like Superbad or something like that with a little bit more humor. Well, do you think Peter needs to be in the film? He does give some scenes levity, which is nice. Sure. Uh, it, w- it was nice to see that kind of stopgap there when Duncan is overhearing Trent and his mom mm-hmm. uh, talk on the deck. 
And then Peter's there on the bottom of the deck and goes, if you don't take me, I'll scream. So then Peter has to go with them. But he's just a little ratcheted up, the same with Betty, to the point where I don't think a lot of the other characters are, with the exception of maybe Owen. But I think we need Owen to be that kind of wisecracking, you know, jokey guy. Right. Oh, it, with Betty, I thought that my note was that Betty's a hot mess, but I'm okay with that. Uh, as you said, yeah, we know you do know somebody like Betty, but I think Betty's probably the most honest person there. You know, she says oh, what she, she says what yeah. she says, and she doesn't care. She's you know, you just find you find out that her husband left her because he revealed that he you know he's really homosexual and he left. He ran off with somebody they knew. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, I mean, that they both knew. So she was bemoaning that, which, it, but it wasn't like. She was angry and jilted, but I didn't get the sense that it was, you know, contentious. That maybe just to complain to com- for complaining's sake. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get that. I didn't, yeah. I didn't get that note from her. You just get that Susanna talks a lot about how her mom's hurting. She is, but, but that you don't but, really get that. Betty doesn't outwardly, other than her drinking, yeah. doesn't outwardly show that. But, she, but, but. You recognize why the, it, she is the way she is because of this thing that happened to her. But she's, she's still charging on, right? She's still charging on. She's still, um, you know, she pushes her son Peter, even though he's got the lazy eyes. She makes she's the comment. Kind of yes, yeah, but she's trying but to get like, him not well, to. Yeah. She's trying to make sure he doesn't get. You know, it doesn't bother him as because she knows people are just going to make fun of him, right? So she's trying to get him out of that. So I, I really like Betty. In fact, I was like, I kind of hope that. Betty still remains friends with Pam even after this breakup. You know, you know what I mean? Because oh, I know yeah, she's sure. friends. There, she's only friends with uh, Trent because, because the, neighbors. They, the neighbors on vacation. Yeah. And he even doesn't like her because when she shows up, he, he, he rolls his eyes. He's like, oh, my God. Yeah. But she is truly the most honest person there. And she like she knows what's going on. She knows that. Trent is make is probably was sleeping with Amanda Pete's character. Uh, I'm sure Joan. she knows all the hot yeah. gas going on. Right. There. For sure. Even even when, because that's and what ends up happening is what ends up, if you haven't seen this film, is that you find out that Trent and Joan had probably an affair last summer. Mm-hmm. And now that he's up with a new girlfriend, Pam, he's he doesn't want to, but she clearly still wants to get with him. And and I think you, you get the sense that he does hook up with her at some point. Oh, the next day. When yeah. Gone when they have that fight, day. the Candyland fight. And uh, what I don't understand is that when Duncan outs him at that party, like Kip does nothing. Like Kip isn't angry. Kip, this is Joan's husband, we're assuming, or boyfriend. Right. Kip does nothing about it. Well, you kind of get the, he, at the time, is just kind of like, what's going on? Right. So I don't think he has time to process that part in the scene that we're in. And then he's got to stop Trent from punching a 14-year-old kid. Right. He's the one that gets in in Trent's way and stops the fight from happening. Right. So I don't think he has time to process that it was his wife. That's doing it. But mm-hmm. I also think he probably knows that she's more or less promiscuous. Like he's just kind of aware of it. But now like, she, that's he f- my wife that's grinding on you is what he says to Duncan. Right. Duncan right when they meet. But, but maybe she's, you know, that's how she is. But ever to step over that line, especially with somebody that he is friends with. That's why you get that shot at the very last shot in that scene is him kind of looking at, you know, her character, Joan's character or Joan. And she's just kind of like sipping a drink, like, oops, like she doesn't care. She right. clearly has no regret about what she did. And you see some like stirring in his head that something's going on in his mind. But this movie's not about him. That's so. what I was going to say. I'm wondering if there was talk of a scene or maybe they wrote a scene where Kip um, 
approaches Trent and and confronts him about it. Maybe they took it out because you're because just because what you said, it's not his movie. Well, the other thing is, I don't think there's a scene with the adults in it that Duncan's not in. Which I do really like about this movie. I think you really are seeing it through the eyes of Duncan. You even are. though there are some shots there. It's like he's looking and they're walking. Yeah. He's always like looking like he's in the back of the house, even though you get a close-up shot of them at the campfire. Um, and Joan just chucking the s'mores ingredients at her because she's mad that Trent won't bang her <laughs> right in front of his girlfriend. Um, I don't understand how Trent doesn't see him standing by the by the wall. I thought the same the thing, and then I realized they're super they're loaded at this point true and it's probably really dark they're drinking and smoking pot yeah he's probably not really that aware of his surroundings true 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 that's a good point though everything's through duncan's eyes so you you see that one shot when they sneak off when the he comes downstairs and the plates are uh, everywhere all over the table and he looks out the window sneaking up but that's through his pov so yeah i get you i get you there that's a good point i really do like that because usually a movie will break that at one point sure like yeah we're seeing it through the eyes Except for this one scene where we're clearly blah blah blah. But and but also that's not part of the movie's, I guess, promotion. Right. It's you know you never it's through the eyes of this awkward teen. No, but that's how it's presented. Although you know what, I'm already wrong. Oh, what happened? The movie does break it when Owen the next at during the rainstorm after he's yelled at by Steph, you see Owen in his apartment sitting by himself. There's but, no Duncan to see. Him but see, that's that's not the family dynamic. That's a different. That's like a different world, the waterways. Oh, sure. So I don't think I don't think but we that's can, the only I don't, time we do that. Sure, but I don't think we can hold that accountable to to dunk through Duncan's eyes. I think the parent stuff I think works. Sure. Yeah, but I think also I think if you get rid of that scene, I don't think you get a moment where you can just see Owen, Owen maturing a little. Sure. So because the very next scene he's, he's yeah, cleaning he's off, never going to do that in front of people. Right. Right. So I think you need, but I think you need that also to again lead into the conversation that happens at the end of the film where he tells him he understands, like we talked about before, but understands about people that are, you know, control like his father and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. He also has the biggest pair of cargo shorts I've ever seen. <laughs> are you jealous? <laughs> I don't think I could wear though that. I don't think I could wear cargo pants that big. Of course I'm tall. So that would, they would not, his cargo shorts would probably go to the lower part of my knee, <laughs> but uh, they are the biggest pair of cargo shorts I've seen. That's <laughs> all they can get for wardrobe. Probably. I'm, I'm sure, them. please. I'm sure they're his pants. I'm sure half this stuff was their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're wearing Waterwiz gear, so I'm sure oh, they, the they were just yeah. wearing the, the stuff that was at the, the park. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, is the park really called Waterwiz? Yeah, it's a real park. Oh, they didn't even change the name. No, it's a real park. Right, because they couldn't afford to change all yeah. the uh, yeah. stuff. I know they almost got in trouble. He did because yeah. Apologize because he was doing jokes over the loudspeaker. Whatever. During filming, and made a herpes joke. Grow up. <laughs> <laughs> That's still not as offensive as mozzarella cheese and, uh, and watermelon. watermelon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the most offensive thing in the movie. <laughs> hey, Pam, this is uh, interesting. <laughs> this might have worked at one of your fancy galas. This doesn't really work uh, here. So we we both basically really like this film. It's a really good film. Yeah, I'm I was glad some movies like this get a little too dour. Right. And this movie, although we're talking a lot about the Trent stuff, because the Owen stuff's mostly just really funny lines and stuff like that. But uh, the water park stuff, it, it's it's pretty lighthearted for how deep and how kind of dark Duncan's life at home is. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that levity you get while telling a serious story without being too dour, not leaving me, you know, if I was in a theater. I'm not leaving the theater going, well, that was a movie. 
Yeah, that's true. No, because it, it has a really good ending, and it it, it really it said something. The movie like had a message. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of like the Descendants as well. No, yeah, no. I think Faxon and Rash are really good writers. Yeah, and, they can take yeah. a dark subject and and bring some levity right. to it while still taking it seriously. Yeah, no, I was completely cool with their uh, with their Oscar win for the Descendants. I mean, the, my my, I don't have issues with the Descendants. I haven't seen it forever, but it's not the writing. So it, it had nothing to do with the writing. Right. So I like that. I know. I like them. I, I hope. I hope they do more stuff. I really do. Um, so you were okay with uh, the uh, when he's teaching them how to hold. When he's telling the the girls to go up to the uh, uh, hold, 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 and they're just staring hold. at the yeah. I was alright with that. Yeah, that's fine. But, but here's because I know that a lot of times when we talk about films, it's gonna be we, somebody nowadays who's like, we always yeah. talk about oh it's, that wouldn't go well here, that wouldn't go well here. But it's like that's what the, people are still people. You know what I mean? Like that's still happens can't check out girls anymore guys yeah, god forbid <laughs> but that's but that's them that's you know that's you know they're teaching duncan it, it, that's not teaching duncan how to be a lech it's teaching duncan how to be outgoing and personable and, and how to be a, a kid yeah exactly yeah. exactly they're, i mean yes as an adult grow up oh yeah well i'm not but, gonna do that as a dad. yeah teaching duncan that as a 14 year old kid sure why not yeah he's gonna do of that as a 14 year old yeah. kid's gonna do that yeah please they're doing a lot more yeah so we both like this film, but BBC Radio 5 Live film critic Mark Kermode says that reason that whilst it's not world changing or earth shattering, the film is really sweet and funny. It's like, do you have to do you have to give the dig there? Like, it's not it's not like the greatest thing ever. It's not Citizen Kane, but it's all right. Like, listen, do you have to give the dig? Listen, Kermode, go back into your toy. Do you have to give the dig? And then A.A. Dowd of the A.V. Club gave the film C plus Butler, describing it as generically constructed and never as refreshing as it's constantly straining to be. Well, that's not true. I know. I thought it was refreshing. Uh, agreed. I think Dad missed the point. Missed the point. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's, it, even though this was a hit, uh, I guess, why are we saying it's forgotten? Because it's considered one of the most successful films to come out of the 2013 Sundance Film Festival. And that's maybe based on money uh, in terms of like right. how much it made uh, and popularity, maybe. Um, it does feel like one of those films, like you, you, there's always that one film that comes out of Sundance, like Little Miss Sunshine, um, that is a, the, the darling, the you know, the indie darling. It does feel like that kind of film, but they never got the accolades it deserved. Little Miss Sunshine also had the had a little more kookiness and had the dance at the end, which kind of got a wider appeal than a movie like this would normally get. But I can make a case for Sam Rockwell to get nominated in this movie. Sam Rockwell's amazing in everything. I, I know that. He's even great in the Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, you boy. want cigarettes, cools, or menthols? Okay, but he's not getting nominated for that. No. Okay. But, like, I just don't think this had the broad appeal of something like Little Miss Sunshine because you're watching the trailer and it does look like an indie. It, it would be, it's tough to cut a trailer that shows how interesting and unique and how not typical indie this movie is. Like, it's, it's cut from the same cloth. It's got a lot of the same stuff. Um, you can tell it's an indie film, but it really, the way it handles levity and, and comedy along with serious subject matter is very different to most indie films, especially most indie films today that you would see, uh, which I would consider this of today, even though it was, you know, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, now. not even, oh, damn. <laughs> not even, uh, yeah, I mean, nine years ago. Like this is, but it's tough to get people to want to watch a movie like that. Especially in the summertime. But I think this is a see now. But it's about a pool. It takes that's the thing. Water I think its release date is good. You can't. I would put it in August, maybe uh, mid August. Maybe, maybe. It's still summertime. But I mean, 
it's what it went up against. I mean, the week before you had crap. I'm sorry, but I wasn't when I'm okay with the exception of the conjuring, which nobody kind of knew about. You had the red two, the sequel. I didn't even care about red, but red one did did a lot of money. I didn't just because you didn't care about it. True. But, but name me a movie on this list that is like the way, way back. Not a lot, but red has older actors and an indie movie like this is going to really rely on older people. And not, not like, like I'm not saying like seniors, but it's going to rely on people in their 40s to 50s and 60s who are big film buffs, big cinema buffs going to see this movie. Mm. Um, plus, Steve Carell fans are probably all in that same age range. That's who you're going to get. But they're going to watch Red because they're going to want to watch Bruce Willis and John Malkovich kick butt in their 70s, even though it's completely unrealistic and then a terrible movie. I'm not a big Red 2 fan, and I really don't like Red that much. I'm not a big Red fan. I don't get why people like Red so much. I was like, all right. I don't like either. <laughs> Uh, but I think you're going to get them. I think that, you know, Conjuring, this is not obviously no one for, who would watch Conjuring is watching this. True. Um, but you had said week two, something had come out, right? The week after? Yeah. Well, you had the Wednesday after you had the Smurfs two. And then after that, that Friday, you had Two Guns, which is with Denzel Washington two and Mark Wahlberg. That but that's well. an action film. I love Two Guns. Wolverine's an action film. But that's awesome. You also had a limited release of Spectacular Now, but that's not at a thousand theaters like no. the way, way back is. And then Smurfs, parents are being forced that's to take their, film. parents are being forced to take their kids to the theater to see that. And a lot of people aren't seeing two movies a week. See, I think the summer really I didn't have a problem with the summer release because it's a summer film. I just don't think putting it in July helps it. It's the end of July though. It's not even like like you're talking you're you're talking most films are like la- the the big films are Memorial Day weekend. And then you got the end of May, which is more they weekend. I always said that the, well, the first week in May now that it's become, yeah. which is now turned into the end last weekend in April for Fast and Furious. Uh, Mid-March, man. Uh, ridiculous. <laughs> so then you have the end of July, end of June, that the June is a big month and the end of June before July 4th, then the July 4th weekend. And then after that, you kind of, you dip off. It peters out a bit, yeah. but it's still kind of busy. I think I think August would have been a little bit better for this because you have to have that water park aspect to it. It does need to still be warm outside. It needs to be summery. Um, but I don't know. I think that hurts it. I think Steve Carell playing a dick kind of hurts it because <laughs> I think it's tough to market this film with Steve Carell in it. Although it did try. I remember in the trailers. It's tough to show him in any scene where he's this, not. This isn't your Michael Scott. Exactly. You're not going to like this. Steve Carell. <laughs> Uh, it's it's tough to really advertise a movie that like its biggest star is is such a douche that you're not gonna like mm-hmm. when that's how he's built his what he's built his career on being a nice guy. Right. He should have had an and credit here. He should have. I don't know. Like, yeah. like his top billing is like well, I don't because he's right. it's 2013. It's like it's either towards the end of the office or right after he left the office. You know, or during. It's I think it's still. I think he's still in the office at this point. Thousand. They ended it. I think they. Don't know. I don't remember. But anyways, uh, it's around that time. Sure, uh, yeah, no, I know. He should have. An, it could have been an and credit. It's, it is focused on him. Uh, I, I also think maybe it's not. It hasn't been far enough away for people that maybe were affected by it more to grow up. And, you know, maybe younger people like this film a lot more than older people. Sure. So as they grow up, they'll be like, oh, you remember that film? We talked about this for other movies. It might just be. We might have maybe in five years this movie will get a oh I really love that film I can't believe it. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah I think it's one of those I think it's one of those type of films I hope so 
I like um, that it's on HBO Max. That means it's easily uh, watchable. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have HBO Max. Yeah. I think that if Jim Rash and Nat Faxon, like if you said, if they keep writing films that get popular and get, you know, people go back, people go back. I mean, this is their first for this is their first this is directorial and written, uh, written and directorial debut. They only wrote Descendants. They only wrote Descendants. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But Descendants um, was after this. Descendants was after this? Pretty sure. Pretty. I'm pretty sure Descendants was before this. Oh, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Descendants was after? Wait. 23rd. This is the wrong. This is the wrong Descendants. <laughs> this is some kind of. Is that of, the uh, Disney one? Disney one. <laughs> nice. That's the one they wrote. The Disney one. <laughs> oh, well, then I. That's <laughs> about like. Uh, 2011. So they wrote. The Descendants was before that. Uh, they wrote yes, they, but they did write this before the Descendants because they wrote this in 20, 2007. I saw it was on right, the blacklist. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, well, I understand what you're saying. But I think if they do more, and then you'd be like, oh, I really like those Jim Rash films. You'll go back and watch more. What are those Jim Rash films? The Jim Rash <laughs> next. The Nat Facts and Jim Rash films. The Nat Rash. <laughs> you're, are you shipping them? I'm shipping them. Back. <laughs> are there any lines in this film that you kind of stood out to you before we wrap up? Oh man, pretty much everything from Owen, but I really laughed at the line when he's putting the bike in this car and he's like, oh, be careful. Hey, my car's just the right amount of shitty. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that line. And then after that, you notice that he's lifting the car, he's lifting the uh, bike out and you see oh, he's his, barely he, trying see, with his hand. You see oh, Owen's oh. hand and he's like, oh, and then it's out. Yeah. Oh, glad we got through that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, do you have any lines that you like? Just my favorite line. I already said it. I was like, I'm, I'm the friend. I'm, I'm a friend of the three. I'm like, a friend of the three. Yeah, I like that line a lot. Yeah, um, I like. Oh, I also like the one where he's uh, kicking him out of the picnic bench. Oh yeah. Now, listen, you're having too much fun. You're gonna have to go. Oh whoa 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 really? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not even my good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> where he's talking about like the uh, pants, the Cold War stuff, and the Russians, yeah. and he's like, yeah, man, I'm not even trying here. <laughs> Did you get those jeans? No, my mom buys my jeans. Oh yeah, you took that seriously. How's that? How's that working out? For oh yeah, being literal. Yeah, yeah. you getting laid? <laughs> awesome. So where can they find us? You can find us at forgottencinemapod.com or forgottenentertainment.com, as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Uh, while you're there, check out all the other great podcasts and video content we have for you there. Uh, and you can also find us wherever podcasts can be found. Hey, you're listening to us right now. Go ahead and hit that like button, the subscribe button. What does I say on YouTube? Smash that like button. Uh, yeah, just, just, uh, you know, leave a review. All that kind of stuff helps our podcast grow and, uh, join us on the social media. You know, we have on Facebook, we have what's called the lobby forgotten cinemas, the lobby where, uh, you can join there and let us know what you think of the way, way back. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, watch on HBO max and then tell us what you think of the way, way back. Unlike some of our 90s episodes, we can actually you can actually find this movie. This is getting longer and longer now. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> we have to start having faster conversations. And join us next week as guess what returns, Butler? <laughs> Your favorite time of the year. Forgotten Horror comes back and we're doing the 1975 American made for television anthology horror film trilogy of terror but we're not going to be alone next week i'm actually very excited that john doolin and spencer swindon from you can't sit with us podcast is going to be joining us and i cannot wait i cannot wait for them to yell at you but i'm just kidding i don't know if that's gonna they, happen i picked trilogy of terror and then they agreed they did i was i thought they were going to choose something else but they chose this one now that's fine so uh, we're really excited about that we can't wait uh so that's next week forgotten horror starts with guest stars john doolin and spencer swindon from you can't sit with us until then everyone have a great week I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema.
Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This month, we're checking out New Earths as we hop across the DC-verse on... Yet another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family.